0: Hello, Don the Stat listeners, Ian here, bringing you another in our series of bonus episodes speaking with Essendon fans about how they became fans and what the club means to them. Many of those listening would have been born into supporting the Dons or come to it from a young age. My guest tonight, however, has been a supporter for less than a year. Furthermore, he spent the previous 45 years supporting Collingwood. However, he's had a very good reason for making the switch as his son was picked up by the Bombers at the start of 2022 season and got on to make a sensational first impression on Dons fans. Greg Martin, thanks for joining me today. Ian, it's a pleasure, and thanks
1: for having me, mate.
0: No, I'm I'm really excited about about this. Uh, I haven't spoken to many uh, parents of AFL footballers, and haven't spoken to many people who have switched from a, a long-term uh, support of one side to another. So I'm really excited to hear your sp- perspective on on things. So I just guess first up, just give a bit of background on yourself, uh, who you are, where you, where you've come from, and yeah, yep. what you do for yourself.
1: Okay, mate. Um I'm uh, I'm an educator. I've been uh in education for about 35 years, um primary schools. I'm uh, a principal, been a principal for about 18, 19 years and in, administ- in administration for about 25 years. Um I'm a father of three boys, uh, with Nick being my youngest. Um or all- uh, pretty much crazy about uh, about Collingwood for the last uh, well since they were born, mate. They were they were placed in a Collingwood jump, and that was it. They were uh, they were lifetime. They would they would be lifetime supporters. Um, we were hoping um, you know Nick was going to be drafted, or any of the three were going to be drafted by Collingwood, but uh, in the end, mate, he got drafted by a better club. So congratulations to the wonderful. For Washington Club for uh, getting him on, which is well, great.
0: We're we're very grateful, and um, obviously, obviously, with the, what he's done across his first year, um, it makes you wonder, you know, how how he we was missed. But something that I'll we'll talk a bit about later. Yeah. But um, we've we've got a bit in co- in common there. I'm um I'm a teacher myself, been teaching. I think this will be my thirteenth year teaching in, se- in oh, second right? yeah, in secondary That's... schools, um, mainly. Uh, Yep. Yeah, I'm really, something I really enjoy doing, and you know, if you, you do it for as long as you have, I imagine you love it as well, um, like I do. Uh, just the, the way you can influence and, and interact with people and and watch their journey, uh, it's really powerful and uh, really fulfilling. I, I don't know if that's the way you see it. We, I
1: certainly do. I, I certainly see. Uh, it was an opportunity for me to. Um, I, I'm I'm pretty much the odd one out in my family where. I come from a, a family of uh, pretty much builders and, and engineers and bricklayers, and um, and like I said, mate, I was the odd one out. Went into education. I've always, it's it's always fascinated me how we we as educators, uh, as leaders in, in within our, uh, our own communities, were able to transform and transform lives and, and mould kids as well. Um, so they, they can become um model citizens. They can, you know, whether it was in education, whether it was in sport, or whatever, you know, it's to see these people 15, 20 years later, uh, succeeding in life and um and, and being able to turn around and say, Well, you know, I I played a part in that in that person's life. I I was their teacher or I was their deputy or I was their principal. And um education is unique. It's it's I don't know whether you're nursing it or not, Ian, but it is getting tougher. Um, it's getting tougher by the year with uh, expectations and everything else. But it's also uh, an opportunity to challenge ourselves to, to get to the next level. So, yeah, it's 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 fantastic, mate. Um, and you know we're honoured, Ian. We as a family, Nick, as as a player, is honoured to be picked up by. Um, by Essendon, mate, not the other way around. We're uh, we just think it's a great club, great people. So
0: yeah, yeah, excellent. Well, I mean, let's 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 start let's start with you and and your your background. Where does the uh you know being a forty five year Collingwood supporter? Going on to being an Essence supporter, where does where does the Collingwood uh, support come from? Are you, I'm I'm assuming you you're you're, West, you're from Western Australia your entire life. I should, didn't ask. I should ask that before actually. Um, but yeah, you yep, wrote, yep. yeah,
1: yep, me and I was pretty much I was born in in South Australia. Um, oh. and we moved over. I think I was a, uh, oh, geez, mate. Uh, um, I think it was around four. I was about four or five. We uh we we uh, drove across the Nullarbor as a family. Um, like I said, dad was a brickie, um, and so he migrated, he was, he was an immigrant from, uh, my parents were from Spain, uh, both Spanish, and they pretty much chased the work, uh, the dream, uh, of living in Australia. So we moved over to WA, um, so really I'm, I'm a West Australian, uh, through and through in most cases. Um. My love for the pies uh for the Collingwood Football Club was uh it was the uh it was a nineteen seventy-seven uh replay um grand final between North Melbourne and, and Collingwood. And I remember being at school one of my one of my close friends at the time, and I was only I was only in year seven at the time, was Victorian and just uh loved Collingwood, Barrack for Collingwood. So he was one of my closest friends. I thought, yeah, I'll 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 support the club as well. And that was it. That was the uh, that was pretty much the beginning of the end. Um where for the next 45 years um I I supported the the mighty back and whites. And you know it's it's quite it's quite funny because um when the Eagles came onto the scene in I think it was 87 from memory and all these you know the whole of WA pretty much jump shipped and 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 left their clubs they were supporting and and people would turn around and say, well, you know, you obviously now support the the uh West Coast Eagles because, you know, you're from WA, etc. I couldn't see how people could support a club for for ten years or fifteen years or whatever and then um and then just you know start supporting a, a new club just just like that, like without even thinking. But you know it's it's quite interesting because, to be honest, it's what I what I did. Um, you know, after forty five years of supporting Collingwood, with, within the same day that that Nick was drafted, uh, that was it. I I deleted the Collingwood um, logo on my on my phone. I, I deleted their um, their website app, and I downloaded Essendon, and I'm now Matt Essendon supporter. So. That's the history behind it, Ian.
0: Well, that that that's that's quite a story. And I think what you bring up about when West Coast came in, obviously there's there's talk of Tasmania. I think the, the people in Tasmania, there's gonna be a lot go through the similar, uh similar th- process to what, what you go through and have to make that decision whether they support, you know, the local side or the the side they've had that connection to for such a yep. for such a long time. Let's, how
1: can people how can people change though, Ian? How can people how can you change a club that you've that you've loved and admired and, and, you know, you've watched every game and just switch, switch clubs. I I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I I did it because I had a reason to change to did, you know? Um, but yeah, sorry, mate, keep going.
0: No, that's, a, that's all right. It is, it is an interesting question. You, you know, maybe I'll, I'll find some, I'll find out more people who have, you know, changed from one club to supporting Essendon and I can, I can speak to them about it. We can build some sort of psychological profile of what sort of people But look, obviously, uh, as a Collingwood supporter, Essendon would have been one of the the biggest rivals. Uh, just how did how did you view Essendon as a Collingwood supporter, uh, particularly uh, particularly prior to Anzac Day? I think we'll talk more about uh, Anzac Day in the in the next little bit. But just you know, what was the what was the view of Essendon as a Collingwood supporter?
1: I I, I actually didn't mind Essendon to be honest. Um, I I quite liked the club. I I, I admired people like um, like Sheedy. How I just I, I think he's an amazing man. He still is an amazing man. I mean, although I have never met the guy, and I'm hoping that I will meet him eventually up the next year or so. But um it's just I had great admiration for the club. I and still do. Um admiration. I'm more I more uh disliked clubs like Carlton. Um mm-hmm. You Know, I hated Carlton, I hated uh West Coast Eagles, um, for whatever reason. Um, but with Essendon, Ian, I had admiration for you know people like Salmon, people like uh Watson. Um, who is he? Can't, can't think of the guy's name. Uh, um, he's he was on the board recently, and
0: uh, Madden. Madden, know them, yeah. she yeah, great
1: admiration for for these players and, and and in the 90s and uh early 2000s you know people like uh like Hurdy, um um you know you, you get to you get to uh acknowledge these very talented and, and gifted people who who played for a great club um so the only club I hated um was pretty much Carlton West Coast.
0: Yeah, well, I but guess then, that you know that probably made twenty eighteen especially hard for you. Then I guess at the time,
1: it was rigged, mate. I think we were we were hard done by um, back then. I think Junior Rioli was nowhere near the ball when he uh, shepherded it uh, an out, and in the end, I think uh, we were hard done by. I think we should have won the game. But it's like the um, it was like the Wayne Harms mate in the seventy-nine Grand Final. I can't remember. Yeah. Against Martin where they before uh, my time. It was it was mate, it was in the it was in the grandstand when he knocked it back in and yet they allowed it to uh to play on. So
0: Yeah. Well that's sort of that you, you saying, sort of yeah. you sort of came into being a Collingwood fan in the middle of that that long drought that they had from exactly. from fifty eight on to nineteen ninety. And you know, so you would have been a I think Thirteen years supporting before they finally taste this success. Uh, what I mean again, obviously that that came against Essendon, so a lot of um, Essendon fans listening to this, you know, this is not a, a pleasant memory for them. But what what is it for you in terms of nineteen ninety? What did that mean for you as a as a calling, a long time Collingwood supporter at that time?
1: So I had been pretty much supporting Collingwood for, for thirteen years, but and and I had I had seen quite a few grand finals in in that time. I mean, it was the I think from memory, 79, 80, 81. I think we missed out in the eighty two, and then we played the next grand final which was in the nineteen ninety against uh, Essendon. But um, of just great memories of, of people. I I absolutely, and, and still do, still do admire this man. I I I loved Peter Dacos. Um I just admired him as a, as a talented footballer, as a talented player. Uh, gifted on so many different levels, and you know, I was just going through my study the other day, cleaning it out before I head back to work, and then, and I came across a um, um, personalised or, or signed uh, airline ticket that I saw him on the plane, and and you know, he said, "T. Greg wore the best, Peter, I was 35. Um, <clears throat> he he was just—I don't think he was sensational. Um, in the in the 1990 grand final, but. He was still magical. He's still magical, on many different levels. I think the the greatest thing I remember was probably when it was Danahoo, I think hit Rowdy uh, just before half time, and I think Rowdy went down. Brown went down, and I don't know whether it was concussion or he had broken ribs or, but uh, he went down, and then it was it was all in. It was all in. it was pretty much the uh, the spark that. I believe it was a spark that, that motivated the uh the pies to, to go out there and just pretty much destroy uh Essendon on, on every level. I think and from memory, I think um I think the Dines only kicked five goals, six goals um uh, for the game. I can't exactly remember, but um it was a well it, it it was it was a long wait. It was a long wait, thirteen years, uh and finally we we won the grand final. But you know what, people, there, there are spectators, there are supporters out there who have been waiting a lot longer than me. I mean, you know, how long how long have the uh, St Kilda spectators or supporters been waiting for their grand final? I've been oh. pretty lucky. I, I've been able to witness two grand finals during my time, Um, you know. um, So it was more, it was more, I think Dacos on the day, it was more even Graham Wright, the way that he played his wing. Um, but it was the players. You know, I thought Lethal Lee, he was he was an outstanding coach, a very smart, tactical man. Um, still don't understand why he was sacked for Tony Shaw because he went on and won three, a three Pete, I think, for Brisbane. But uh, just the way he coached him. That's pretty much it, Ian. Mm. Uh, that, that, that's that's great I mean
0: sorry I I, I'm, I was a four-year-old in 1990 I wasn't even supporting Essendon at the time so to hear you know, those were, I was no well, my um my aunt was trying to get me to be a Bulldog supporter and she nearly succeeded but then I found out uh my dad passed away when I was uh, quite young but um I found out in 93 that uh he'd been an Essendon supporter and that sort of lined up well, well and that's idea, that's where that came from so yeah so 1990 is a bit Bit before my time but it's good to hear your memories there but obviously the the essendon uh, collingwood rivalry is really built around anzac day these these days and i think you sort of brought up that idea of res- of respect it's not you, i think both sides tend to um respect each other because of yeah. because of that day have you have you ever managed to uh, get over for an anzac day clash um and experience that yourself or is it something you've you've just witnessed on on tv no, mate. Um,
1: all all I, I've just wish, witnessed it on, on on TV. I haven't been to one. Um, we were think we were thinking about uh, about going last year, but just couldn't get airline tickets. Couldn't get accommodation. Like it was just it was such a short notice. And and to be honest, we never thought not that we would go just to watch Nick, but uh, we never thought that Nick would would be playing in that game. To be honest so otherwise we would have um, we would have booked it beforehand but um you know it was anzac day is all about those who have um fought in the trenches so that we could live our lives in this great nation and i think anzac day and and I think it was a mastermind. I think Shudy came up with this concept as well. I mean, he comes up with everything. He's such a highly intelligent man. Yeah. You know, it's it's about two clubs that come to war, but yet walk off walk off the ground, you know, arm in arm yeah. um, as true Australians.
0: Yeah. Well, they go through um, they go through the banner together as well. I think that's do, a really that's a really good symbol. Yeah, that, yeah.
1: amazing. Um, and when when you think about the the tradition behind it, you know. Um, I don't think there was ever. There's obviously rivalry once the uh, the siren goes and, and the game starts, but I think there is mutual respect. I think there is respect for for both clubs, um, and every other ANZAC game that that that's played that weekend. So, um, have I asked the question? Then I think I've gone. Yeah, off track no, I, it.
0: that's all right. I just just you you keep you keep speaking. I, I'm I'm really enjoying listening to what you have to say. I guess you know. Anzac Day is obviously such a special occasion, and, and for Essendon fans, 2009 is the highlight. You know, Zaharakis kicks the goal at the end, um, oh. which, yeah, I imagine would be a killer for you. But I mean, oh. there, there, there's there's the 2012 game. A couple of years later, was a one point win for Collingwood, which I think, you know, I remember watching that game live, and that was a that was a back and forth, and uh, you know, could have gone either way at the end. You know, 2009 is such a is such a you know vivid memory for most Essendon fans. Yeah. Um, was 2012 seen as such a uh, big thing for Collingwood, or because Collingwood was being, you know, had grand finals and, and success, whereas Essendon at that time, you know, were relying on, you know, individual uh, home and away wins to sort of sort of prop us up. You know, is 2012 recalled fondly by Collingwood fans, or is there other matches against Essendon outside of the grand final in 1990 that really stick with you?
1: Um, I'll. I'll uh... I you will know, never forget that day. Two thousand nine was Zagarakis in, in in the wet, and and it just you know, as soon as soon as he picked up the ball, we thought nah. And all my three boys were here, um, and we were watching the game, and 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 Nick's probably the most like he was the most vocal. He's 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 shocking, and I and I kept having to remind him that they can't hear you, mate. You know, but he would, he he was quite uh, quite passionate about his pies. But when he picked when they when he picked up the ball um, in the wet with what a minute ago or something, and he, and he put it right through it, just killed us. It just killed us. But we've obviously watched every ANZAC. Well, we have. We've watched every ANZAC game. We have a tradition here at uh, at home where you know the pies and the and the sausage rolls come out, and um and that that's our that's our pie chips and, and sausage roll. Gravy Day, Anzac Day, so we wait until the game. And we obviously – I think you guys – I think the game starts about 3 o'clock, 3.10 over there, and it's about 1 yeah. o'clock. Here, so it's perfect for us. The best game I ever saw, mate, uh, best Anzac game I ever saw was the 1995
0: drawn game. Yeah, the original. The I think it was the first one. It was the first one, yeah.
1: Nothing think- beats – Nothing beats that, Ian. Nothing beats the fact that it was the first Anzac Day game. Um, and I think oh, I think it was a ninety five thousand people at, at the G. Um, and I remember uh, I remember Buckley. Oh, yeah, it was it was towards the end. It was only there was only about thirty seconds to go or something. He could have he could have kicked long, um, but he I think he from memory he kicked it to. Um, Sab Rocker and Sab Rocker had, I think, Fletcher and probably in the, and 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 another guy on him, and he didn't take the mark. I think it was that day, that's well. Um I think Rocker kicked nine goals. I remember Sab kicked nine goals that in that game. Yeah. That day. So
0: he that- always, he, even even when he moved to North Melbourne, I always thought Sab Rocker would get on top of us. He was, you know, he, he just loved. I, I was Sandy, loved playing Essendon. So whether he's in a Collingwood or a North jumper. Yep. Just would, you know, dominate whoever was put on him. We we didn't seem to have a, the right matchup for him.
1: I don't know why they got rid of him, I, I still to not to this day, I don't know why McMulti has got rid of him. Um, you know, because I think he played 125, 150 games for Collingwood, and I think he played another 125 for North Melbourne. Um, so you know, normally players who transfer or, or change clubs in most cases, not, not all cases, but you know. We'll play another 25, 30 games, forty games, whatever. But you know, he, he ended up playing another hundred twenty-five. So w- whichever kids he's got, you he, he can pick.
0: Um, yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually just looking it up. He, he did just get over uh, hundred. He got hundred one for North Melbourne as well, yeah, hundred fifty for Collingwood. So you know, there you go. To, so if, if he does have any any kids, it's a it's going to be a bit of a um yeah. a bit of an option to to get them over.
1: Yeah, he does. He does have boys. Well, I think he's got two boys.
0: Um, um, and. Well I mean they've got they've probably got the option of, of being uh, NFL punters sort of like uh Dustin Fletcher's boys have yes, gone it over. Yes he does yes he does and, yes, uh, and, uh, and he do so. good. yeah um I don't know I don't know what
1: what they would choose to do but uh I am pretty confident they'll be pretty tired with the young man so
0: yeah. yeah yeah I guess look obviously you, you sort of mentioned that you know once Nick was drafted you you found you made the switch pretty easily but when Essendon played Collingwood last year obviously Anzac Day and then and the match later in the season uh, how how was that? Watching that was it a, an interesting experience? We we experienced for you there, like when when Elliot kicks that goal after the siren. You know, was there was there a part of you that you know instinctively got excited, or was it was had it completely uh, gone from your system?
1: No, you know you wouldn't believe it, Ian. No, no, I I I, I you know since the day I started supporting Collingwood to the to the day i stopped supporting him I, I never thought in my wildest wildest dreams wildest dreams sorry that i would would be able to change clubs just like that just the flick of the switch and when you think about it it's probably very similar to clubs who sorry uh um spectators or or, or people who stopped supporting the victorian sides and 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 jumped on the bandwagon when uh, eagles came on board um but I felt nothing. I felt I felt nothing um, for the Collingwood side, and all I I just wanted success for the Essendon blokes. You know, when when Elliot took that mark um, on the boundary, I think it was fifty out or something, and I thought to myself, "No, nah, you're not going to get it, mate. You're going to get close, but you're not going to get it." And then. You know, it went through. I I was gutted because I was sitting next to Di and, uh next month, and we we're watching the game obviously, and just to see the players behind the goals, and and they were just broken. They were broken. That they, they had, I I think they outperformed Collingwood all day, all day. Um, and I think they performed. They played better.
0: Mm. Uh, it they was that, that the first quarter? The first quarter was a disaster. I think was what four three or four goals down. But then pretty much from then on to probably about halfway through that last quarter, you know, Essendon played a heap better. And then Collingwood just just seemed to have something in their system last year where they just, you know, they just had that belief. And, you know, I think when you keep winning close games, you just have that belief, which um, obviously Essendon didn't have at the time. So... You know, you need to you need to learn how to win, and I think there's probably a, a bit of that with with Essendon uh, going into the future, learning how to win. That Collingwood seem to be able to do that, and I guess yeah, it's one of those things. Is that taught, Ian? Oh, I mean, far far be it from me. I'm not not connected to anything that that higher level, I guess. But you know, the facts speak for themselves. Like you look at you look at, it's almost self perpetuating. You know, when, yeah. when teams get into that situation and not only is it self perpetuating for, for the side itself, you know, that they, they believe that they can win and the yeah. like, um, but, you know, it, the opponents are also like, I, I you know, I, I don't know what the Essendon players were thinking, but, you know, if you, you go into a game against Collingwood, knowing that they've won, you know, three or four close ones in a row and they start to get on a roll and get it, get it back pretty close, you know, you can't necessarily help to have that in the back of your mind. Um, yeah. that they're yeah. going to get over the top and you lose that, you might lose that uh, killer instinct, you know, the one that makes you make decisive decisions and you second guess yourself and that's when things fall yeah. apart. I mean, you you talked about Lee Matthews before and, you know, you know, you, you rate him as a great coach and the like, and that was one of the things that he did really well in 2001 yeah. for the Lions, which, you know, really, you know, Essendon, es- after 2000, Essendon was this behemoth, you know, un- un- undefeatable side for would have been for a lot of teams and his his genius was being able to convince the Brisbane Lions that no they weren't they were just regular players and get that mentality into his players which meant that they could get over um you know that that mental hurdle of of playing a side like Essendon and as as you as we all know the rest is history with with what that side accomplished so you know I'm not necessarily sure whether there is a a right or wrong answer to that i'm not a not a psychologist so yeah
1: yeah yeah no, no i mean nor am i i'm just asking the question whether it can be taught so yeah i guess uh, it,
0: it's it's sort of a, a learned a learned thing rather than that's, that's it yeah you know explicitly explicitly spoke spoken about yeah i guess yeah. Let's, let's let's just sort of finish off by you know talking about the fan bases um what have you have you noticed any similarities or differences between the way the two supporter bases uh, act or or um consider their side is there anything you've noticed there um we obviously
1: um we obviously took the boys to um uh, to watch the collingwood games every time uh, they, they played in perth and you know i was just talking to diane about um uh, our experiences and she said do you remember how we we would sit right right the in the center of the uh the collingwood crowds and you know they were how they, what's what's the right word to use they were they were uh, entertaining, entertaining <laughs> on, on many different levels. Um, um and and great people, great people. I I I mean, I, I obviously read what people say about the club because I'm genuinely interested about um you know what people have to say about the players, about the club, um, where we're heading, what we're doing, you know, how we're progressing, um, you know, and and, and some of the feedback that we receive is fantastic i mean you know scooter and i think rick as well take photos and and write about their things um i I wouldn't say there's much you know you 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 get your eccentrics you get your you know who are and you get your supporters who who are loyal and and supportive and just over there in the background supporting the club it's 6 and one half of the uh, other Ian. um i really wasn't involved in following a club until actually nick was drafted and then i went on to twitter and and, and everywhere else and started reading stuff so i reckon i, re- I reckon you, you, you get you all sorts in every club and that's matter which club you go to um so yeah so pretty much the same mate
0: yeah, I mean, like I guess we're all we're all people, and every every yeah. club's got a cross. Every club's got a cross section of the community, you know, amongst we their did. supporters, and you know. So I guess at the end of the day, that most mostly would be pretty similar. Well, let's start talking about. Um, let's move on to sort of more looking at the the past year and and your experiences and and, and Nick's experiences. Let's just start with uh, what's your experience of the Essen Club as a family member of of a player. So I think the only club, the only game you're able to get over the year was was nick's debut um what what was done what was done what had done for family members you know for that for that debut game and how does the club what does the club do in terms of keeping you involved or or keeping you updated um well as as you know
1: ian uh nick was was drafted pretty late i think he was i think it was february, february. I it was february. yeah february. I, I looked it up from, before it was february from memory late so um so he was he was drafted, he was signed up, etc. And I think was it that weekend or the following weekend? I can't remember exactly, mate, but we played St. Kilda in um the practice match, yeah. In a practice match, I think. Um, and so um all the parents were flying over and and we all received an induction about the club. Um we had a, a tour of the facilities, um, etc. etc what what an experience you know what what a day what an experience mm-hmm. and and um you know halves I think spoke to us about the DNA of the club um mm-hmm. various other people spoke to us about the their departments and what they do etc and and Ian I I was welcomed I was um as a parent as as a um as a member of the family of the Essendon family it was very much inclusive it was very much about you know ensuring that my needs as a parent were met um and i've just had nothing but positive experiences we're not i'm I'm not the sort of person that will jump on the phone tomorrow and you know give brad scott a call and, and um you know Tell him this or tell him that or or, or give Chris Burn a call, who's a welfare officer. I don't think I made contact with Chris um for the rest of the year. That was pretty much it. Um but I know that, you know, um every time I wanted something, or if I if I need something well, which I didn't, but um I'd go through Nick. Nick would would then ask the club for for whatever, but it's very, very family orientated, family based type. Um, and once again, Ian, because I haven't experienced any other club, I'm, I'm making the assumption that every other club's like that as well. But I think Essendon is different to a certain degree because of what they do for their players and, and, and how they um, how they welcome us into um, into the everyday lives of. Of the incident family so yeah i hope that's answer your question mate
0: no that that's really good i actually yeah um so nick when nick was uh was selected in the supplementary peri- period he was also selected with uh tex Wanganine. and yes. after you talked about having you know parents having to come and do an induction i was wondering if they made gavin wanganeen uh do an <laughs> S- <do> an to S- an <laughs> S- induction. So he's sitting there next to you no, yeah. <laughs> oh i
1: would have loved that mate i would have loved that i tell you what i would have had a photo taken with him if uh if that was the case but no, no, no. He wasn't there, mate. Uh, um, Texas mum and uh, and her, her partner, her husband, uh, were there. Um, and uh, yeah, beautiful people, lovely people. So yeah.
0: Excellent. So like, let's let's talk about Nick specifically then. So, uh, how long has he wanted to be a footballer? Is it something that he's had since he was uh, you know early childhood, or is it it's something only developed in in his teen years?
1: Uh, since he was uh since he was a kid, mate, since he was a a, a toddler, um he would um you know, he he it's just amazing. And all my three boys were very much wanted to be wanted to play AFL, uh wanted to get to the next level, wanted to play for Collingwood, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, <clears throat> there was something different about Nick from a very young age where he would, as as a toddler, as a three year old, as a, a two year old, he, you know, every time the footy game, whichever game uh, was playing, he he would sit in front of the uh, the TV and just and just study, just study the game. Um, we and at times he was a little bit too close to the screen, and, and that's when we realised you needed glasses. So we, <laughs> so we quickly got him glasses. Um, but he um, even even as a, as a th- as a Three year old when he was standing there, he would he would watch a game, and and we actually thought he was going to be a goal umpire one day because all, all he would do was, was stand up and, and give us, <laughs> you know, um, during every game he would he would before the goal umpire signaled what it was, he would give us the point or all, all the goals, and um, but even um, just and I I don't know whether I mean he was he was a pretty gifted. Uh, player as he as he grew up and, and played in the higher levels but I I recall um and we were talk about this during Christmas time um Diane his mother and I took him to um ice kick, and and his siblings came along to, to watch him it was his first game in that and we recall he was he was obviously mad about Nathan Buckley so yeah he's the number five jumper on it Etc and we got out of the car and he tucked his jumper in and he pulled his socks up and we said, "No, mate, no, 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 leave your jumper around, pull your socks down." And and he said, "No, no, Nathan Buckley has it tucked in and has his socks pulled up." And and we we his mother and I just cringed. We just you know and his brothers are trying to tell him to take his jumper out. So anyway, we're talking to the game and and um, I'm probably sidetracking a little bit if that's okay. In um, no, go ahead. And we took into the game, and and we took out our fold-up chairs and sat down. and and game started. And seriously, Ian, we we cringed like we we, we just wanted to hide because he was he was a nobody. He was he just he couldn't he couldn't even kick the ball, couldn't even handball the ball, and and yet he he came from a family of footballers. His brothers, both his brothers were playing football at that stage, and you know he he wanted to play footy and. We thought, oh my God, what have we got here? We've got, you know, we finally out of the three got the dud. Um and he was a dud. Oh god. You know? Um but then obviously with time I remember um I remember he had just transferred to year seven, um Trinity College, which is a PSA school, private school here. Um and he was playing against Another PSA school, another uh, Scotch College, I think, and and I took time off from work. I just went down on a Friday to watch him play, and Ian, by by half time, you know, this is this is a twelve year old. By half time, he had he kicked twelve goals. I oh, geez. He kicked twelve goals, and he was playing as a high half forward, um, what was the half forward flanker, and then straight after half time, he came back on and I. I Nowhere lie, I think he kicked he kicked another two goals within a minute, again. Um so he had fourteen goals to his name. And then the uh the coach did the right thing. He took him off. Um and he spent the rest of uh, of of the third quarter uh sitting on the boundary and then in the fourth quarter put him in um uh, I think he put him in the back line. So he ended up kicking fourteen goals or something for the day. But from day one and like he he was just a fanatic, um, and he's he's probably the craziest one out of the three when watching games. Like he's just so abusive, and we all he's just unbelievable. Um, and just you know the things that he used to say and swear and carry on. We we had to remind him, look, mate, um, they can't hear you. It's not going to change the result. So. But
0: yeah, from 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 day one, mate. Day one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There seems to be something about uh, Nick and debut games. Um, you know, they're, they're quite they're quite memorable, um, especially based on what we saw uh, last year. But I guess you know the, the question on everyone's lips, and I have read articles, and you know, going back into um, looking into the stories that came out about Nick uh, following following his debut, but what what led to him going undrafted in this year because you you look at the skills that that he has and, and the qualities that he has and you know I I I can't see how we, how he slipped past all those clubs and then yeah i guess what's the what's yeah. your take on what what happened
1: so Ian, he had um he played in the 2018 Colts grand final which i think is I, I don't know what the equivalent is in Victoria, but it's it's um it's the under 17s under eighteen competition, right? And he played in the grand final and he played with um uh played with Mitch Georgiatis. So they were both on the same side. Um and they um I think he kicked he kicked three goals that day and uh performed extremely well. So come so he graduated from school that year, come December, he gets an invite to the state academy. And, you know, um, Peter Sumich wanted him to be part of the team, Adam Jones. Um, so he went training. I mean, this 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 is how dedicated this kid is. Um so he graduated in 2018, got got the letter, got the invitation on I think mid-November, um, or whatever, was about to go to Levers. He was about to go on Levers down south, and he chose not to go because he didn't want to, he didn't want to miss out on any sessions with the state sides, uh, with the state uh, with the state academy. And I, and I I recall his mother and I saying to him, "They're going to understand. This is Levers. This is." and no he stayed behind and he attended every train session so up leading up to the following year the you know in all the in all the practice games that they played against um you know other league size other waffle clubs teams etc he 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 dominated he he was um he was pretty good he was he dominated and he played extremely well and you know we 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 were quite impressed with the way that he had progressed and how he had come so far um to be honest with you Ian he had a shocking carnival he was so he was touted I remember talking to his manager and and, and even reading articles of that I think at one stage he was touted as a as a top 20 mm. uh, as a top 20 um so you know obviously and then he went to the carnival he played two games it was 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 fairly average um sumich dropped him for the third one rightly so um and then he played in the last game against uh the country which they won and they won the carnival but he was he he wasn't the best and he he was quite poor foot from his own admissions he he knew he had played poorly but to be honest with him, he was probably played out of position as well. He was played at um, full forward, um, even though the following year he played that that position with Subiaco. Um, and so he wasn't really given an opportunity to do a lot of running to to really show his skills. The other thing also, Ian, you know, as an educator, um, you know that people are challenged and, and when they've got the talent and um they're they're out there trying to display their talent. they're not always going to be successful um and so in this case he just had a bad batch he 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 had a bad two or three months um and the carnival print and that was pretty much it he went from being hot to no one won a bar of him it's amazing absolutely amazing
0: was he? Did he get? he go into the draft knowing that he wasn't going to get picked up, or was there still some sort of hope? Uh, there were still three.
1: There was, um, I think, three or four clubs. Sorry, that's all right. Um, there were three, still three or four clubs who were who were very interested. Um, I think um, Corey Buick. Um, I think Darren's brother. Uh, he's very much affiliated with uh, North Melbourne um had quite a few chats with, with him and and us. Um and, and there were three or four clubs. I think Saint Kilda Frio um Geelong Um Sydney. So there quite a few clubs. Anyway, um they were all very interested and St. Kilda was another one. Um all very interested but then just fell by the wayside pickers we didn't hear from them um and that was pretty much it. it was all over before we even started um which is quite demoralizing because you, you look at the draft and i i don't i don't i don't know what they look for again. And, and sometimes I, I i look at the draft and, and see the player that they've drafted not so much now because i haven't followed it but they will draft a certain player who i've seen play who i i've you know followed etc and i'm thinking I don't know what they see in this kid or I don't know what did they see in this kid that they didn't see in Nick and, and vice versa, etc. um So that was pretty much it, Ian. He had a very, very bad carnival Um and he just, over the next two or three years, um he just had to work extremely hard and it was Adrian Dodaro who, who gave him the opportunity. So well, that's why we're... He is very grateful to the Essendon Football Club for that very reason, for someone
0: believing in him. Yeah.
1: So he had it. You, you know, he had a, He was a train on for West Coast as well. Yeah. You?
0: So he had the the year before. He was, I think, he was, and I think the the talk was from the articles I read that he was doing quite well, and then did a, had an injury at, at the probably the worst time, and that that cost him that opportunity there as well. But you know, he seems he seems like some. Obviously, I don't know him. Obviously, you do, but he he seems like the sort of person that doesn't let uh, you know setbacks get him too down. He's willing to keep pushing and, and working mm-hmm. towards towards what Is he it, wants to achieve.
1: Just pretty much just to set the record straight uh, in reference to West Coast Eagles, there was there was actually no position. Um, people keep talking about Nick's injury and 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 that's what cost him, etc. Um, there was. The, the the position relied on Junior Rioli. Either if if he was going if he was going to be suspended for a longer period of time, he was going to be placed on the inactive list, and that's when the position was going to open up. So there really was no position because the day he was cleared, and the day he was allowed to return was a day that um, Nick was told to go back to Subiaco. And, and eagles were eagles were, were were quite good. They were quite positive, and they, you know, um, but then I think two positions came up mid year, um, and they never chose him, uh, which is which is quite flabbergasting at the time. But that's pretty much it. So, what was a question again, Ian? Once again, No, to-
0: that that's that's sort of what I was going to ask. I guess you know, you you speak about Adrian. Um, you know, contacting contacting him and getting him down. Do you know what what it was that uh attracted Essendon to 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 Nick? I mean, sorry. Um, yeah, it meant Essendon were looking at Nick. What what said? What drove them to to offer him a, a chance to to train on? Was it was it ever said, or did they just say we, no? Not no. Come down? Um, Adrian had been trained
1: had been tracking him for a few years now. Um, but I think. Probably Adrian is very similar to Shady, You know, they they manipulate their own environments to to suit their own needs and 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 get who they want, which is which is fantastic. Um, so I think Adrian made contact with Nick in in twenty twenty, um, and he said, "I want you to pretty much what." Um, what I, I don't know the guy. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Uh, Garrett McDonough. Yeah.
0: McDonald, yeah, sorry. So he he got drafted by us. last So he year got drafted
1: year. last year, the year before. Yeah. But he wrote. I think he wrote to Adrian. Hmm. From memory, he wrote to Adrian. So Adrian wanted Nick to to write to him, um, oh, okay. and he did. He Nick wrote, but he and and he had to identify his strengths, his weaknesses, where he could improve, what he could do, why he wanted to play for Edmonton, do do do. And I think it was more so it's more so his um partner in crime. I foster?
0: foster knight?
1: Yeah. I think it was it was Foster Knight who, who identified don't quote me on that, mate, because I'm not hundred percent sure, but from memory I heard the conversation was Foster Knight who who identified Nick as having the um the attributes, I think. Um certain attributes as to the I don't know I I don't know I'm, I'm I may be guessing there but I think I heard that along the lines, and so they they identify him as a runner, and where a lot of players and a lot of a lot of clubs and a lot of coaches did not, and so Nick Nick is a he's a self disciplined person who you know no one's going to beat him nothing's going to beat him uh resilience is everything mate um for him um and bounce back as well so he was told go out and run we want to see you run and that's all he did he did that for about four weeks Ian, um and he got a personal trainer to get him to that next level and that's why he went he jumped you know it's quite amazing um, as as educators, you look at people and you think, you know, oh, he's going to be something, or he's going to be something, or whatever. But it's not until you go through the process of life, you you live life, experiences that that other people pop up and think, wow, never never thought you'd make it, but you know, he did. Hmm. So sidetrack a little bit again, Ian. I'm sorry, mate, but um, no, that's
0: yeah, I'm, I'm as I said, I'm, I'm loving loving hearing all the the background and the stories there. I guess. Yeah. You know, so obviously um moved to Melbourne, um, went through his first AFL season. How's he how has he settled into Melbourne life and living away from his friends and families? Is that something he's found particularly challenging or has he adapted pretty well?
1: No, he's handled it pretty well. Um he we moved over obviously last year. It was around the ninth of uh, of January. He moved over. And for about f- for about four weeks, five weeks, he was um because of COVID, I think COVID was pretty bad over there at the time, um, and he, he didn't know anyone and didn't go anywhere. You know, for four or five weeks, he pretty much stayed in his house and went training, came home, um, and that was about it as to what what he did. But
0: um, you know, sorry, what was the question? I guess just how how has he settled into Melbourne life? Oh, and-
1: yeah, loves yeah. Melbourne, uh, very much, very much loves Melbourne. Loves loves the lifestyle. Um, and and loves it more now that he's got mates. He's got you know the players uh, are his mates and um, and and be able to enjoy the life. And he's living with um, I think he's living with, um, Lordy, and I think Reedy's just moved in as well. So great blokes. So yeah, and that I think that was another um, another concern. Another um, of Adrian's concern was the um, the fact about you know. So you're going? To, are you going to come to Essendon and stay for one or two years, and you know try to get back? And that's not the case. That's not the case with he's very much Nick's very big on loyalty, um, and he's very much loyal to the Essendon football club. So I reckon, I reckon he'll be there next. You know, hopefully, if he continues to improve and do well, um, you know, for the next five, six, seven, eight years, mate. Well, uh, it's because he loves the club, man. So,
0: yeah. Well, fingers crossed. I mean, so this is this is his first full AFL preseason, and I do follow Nick on Instagram, and I have seen you know some of the clips that he's posted. And he looks like he is put in a mountain of work, um, yep. over the past you know on of his own volition, and you know that sort of reflects what you were saying before about how self motivated. He is. Um, how's he how's he finding the preseason? Obviously, you know, he's experiencing a, a, a new coaching style, a new coaching group. Um, has he has he had I'm assuming I'm hoping he's had positive things to say about um how things are going and, and how he's feeling heading into twenty twenty
1: three? Yeah, he's <clears throat> um he obviously came back for the Christmas break and I think they I think they're having a break um during the week of the australia day which is the, the, from the next tweet, week yeah whatever yeah i think they're having a a break so he'll he'll be coming back as well he's um people's perception and with my perception to a certain degree as well before nick was drafted was thinking you know how great would it be to to um to play for an afl club and to play matches every weekend etc the intensity it's always the same, whether it was last year and last year he was pretty it was quite intense for him as well because he hadn't been selected the and so he wasn't sure whether he was gonna be around there, he wasn't sure whether the club were gonna pick him up. So, you know, it was it was a pressure every day of having to perform and run hard and that. This year, you know, um um he, he's he's got a new coach. He's got a new coach, um, new coaching team, you know. Uh, new ceo new new hierarchy etc um the intensity hasn't changed but i think it's gone up another notch um because people are vying for their spots people want you know there's 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 healthy competition there um i'm i'm not saying that there wasn't there last year but there's healthy competition there where, and 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 the boys want they want to improve. They want to be better. And people's, people think that, that players go out and, you know, don't want to chase or don't do this or don't do that. And, and obviously we all read some of the comments that come through and I just pretty much shake my head and if, you know, wow, that's, that's interesting. But they're, they're hurting. They were hurting from, from day one and they just don't want that to happen again. And I think, Ian, you know, I love studying players or looking at players and identifying players who will be there for long term and all that. Look at a pretty gifted and talented side. Um, some of these young kids, young guys who are the, the 23 and under It's just, isn't going to be a force, mate? They're going to be so powerful and they're going to be a dynasty. They will be winning grand finals the next five years. 10 years. So. Uh, but it's it's the intensity has increased significantly, mate, um, and the the ability or, or, or the yearning to succeed is what they want, and they want that collectively, as as a team and as a, a group of young men.
0: So that's that's really great to hear, and. I- uh, I'm loving the optimism. I'm, I'm hoping it comes true. But you know, going sort of going back to the, the idea of being educators, as, as we both know, you know, people can have all the talent in the world, but if the environment around them is not the right one, you know, it's going to be very hard for them to, to succeed. So hopefully, it sounds like uh, for what you you spoke about there and what Nick's relayed to you that the environment is is one that that is progressing towards that uh, yep. sort of one that that people will be successful in. And again, hopefully, that's uh, that comes true. I guess, look, I'll, let me, let me finish my, my final question for you. Um, just sort of bringing it back to you. What's one quality that Nick has inherited from you and one quality has, that has nothing to do with you.
1: Um, uh,
0: Oh, an interesting question. Um, I would
1: say his, uh, persist, uh, persistence to succeed and, um, pretty much resilience, and bounce back and you know, um Diane and I pretty much raised our boys to bounce back regardless of regardless of what life throws at you, you know, you just gotta get up there, get jump back onto the horse and and, and ride that horse until you succeed. Um so resilience and and persistence. The the one um one thing that he doesn't get for me is um and probably picked it up already, is is humility. Um he's he's a very quiet, humble kid and, and he and um he gets that from his mother. He gets that. So Diane's very um quiet, humble. Um and that's where Nick gets the trait from. So yeah. So he's got the hopefully the best of both of both parents and he's able to then yeah one day mold himself and become who he is.
0: Yeah, well, as 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 I've said for the other, I'm really grateful for for having you on and and you sharing your story and you know uh, sharing what you know about Nick. I think um, you know we're as Essendon fans, we're all super excited about what he's accomplished so far and what he could accomplish. Uh, but to hear um, you know what you've got to say, um, I've really enjoyed it. I know when I when we started this, uh, I said I oh, will probably go for about half an hour and um, it might push to 45 minutes, but I think we've uh, Getting close to the hour mark, so but I've, I'm sorry I've, about that again.
1: I, no, I do, don't. I do tend to ramble on, mate. So no, that's
0: fine. That. Don't don't be sorry at all. I've I've really enjoyed every minute, and hopefully, the listeners will too. Um, any final messages or, or or thoughts from you?
1: No, I just I I just love you. I love your work, guys. So, you know, and Jonathan as well. Um, I listen to you guys all the time. Um. You know, I, I I just want what's best for this club. I think it's a great club. It is a great club. There's no question about it. Um And uh, they're going to be very successful. And, you know, the next few years, the next few uh, two or three years, we're going to be playing finals Um, because they're just a very, very gifted uh, group of young men. So keep the faith, I think, Um I've got to choose my words carefully, obviously. Um, Keep my faith and keep the faith and and hopefully we'll start playing finals soon. So thanks for having me on the show, mate.
0: Excellent. Really, again, really appreciate you giving up your time to speak with me. Thanks again, Greg. Uh, Go
1: Dons.